Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to the Support SD Local podcast, episode number three. I am your host, Kelly Don Noel Swan, and today I'm so excited to be back at Sun and Salt Studio to share an individual who has had a huge impact on my life and work. This San Diego local has a perspective and drive that has helped me build Support SD Local to what it is today, as well as inspired my own journey of personal growth. His work in our communities is impacting so many lives in such a beautiful way, and I'm so insanely grateful to simply know this great man. So, without further ado, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce you all to Matthew Iske of Your Truth Foundation and Geeked Communication. So um, first and foremost, thank you for coming out. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for sitting down to have a conversation. Um, it is wild to me because I feel like we've come full circle now because when you so be, I know, right? <laughs> it was like you being the first one to ever have me on a podcast and literally sitting at that table and like, I, and I was shaking because I was nervous and cold and, and all over the place. And then for you to, at the end of the conversation, be like, you should just start a podcast. Like you'd be good at it. And and here we are. Here we so, are. <laughs> so thank you, Matt. Thank um, you. But before we start talking about everything and anything, because we, we're so good at that, <laughs> um, I would love for you to introduce yourself sure. to our audience and uh, just let us know what you're kind of up to right now. Sure. So, uh, man, there's so many things that I do, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Matthew Iskey. I am the founder of an organization called Your Truth Foundation. That foundation exists to provide education to youth to prevent violence against and trafficking women and children. Um, Really built it in a way to look at the system of things so we address things like mental health, addiction, suicide, trafficking, domestic violence, um, self-awareness, self-defense, all of the different things that encompass those issues. Those issues are kind of dark but we look at it in in an all-encompassing kind of way and try to support from a place of light not from a place of darkness. Um, That's my Nonprofit self and my for-profit self currently runs a media company off of the experience that I've had for like the last four years. Um, that media company is called Geeked Communications, and the idea was to help people who are helping people. Like, I was in the marketing world, I was in the for-profit world, made a bunch of money, did all that stuff. But what happens when you're in marketing is that I found you charge a high price for marketing services because you can, and you'll end up making money for the people that have a budget that's big enough to pay you. So you end up making more money for people who make money. And that didn't do anything to fulfill me. So I did that in 2015. In 2016, mid, I cut that off and went to the nonprofit world doing that kind of work for the foundation. And then navigating that sphere, I found so many other people who were doing work that was so important. Like stuff that was game changing. Homeless shelters, domestic violence shelters. Like The nonprofit world is amazing. It's filled with people who do stuff but they generally don't have the time or the knowledge or skill or personality to play that marketing business kind of like cutthroat game Mm -hmm. so I'm putting the two together like how can we take like marketing experience tools like podcasting social media videography website design like whatever and supply that to the people who are doing that work so like no longer are we not no longer are we making money for people who are just going to make more money. Mm-hmm. We are helping somebody who's in the position of helping somebody, and that's exponential. Like That person gets another donation. That person gets another sale. That person gets a connection. 
off of the back of their social media or their marketing, they get to help 10 more people or 1,000 more people or whatever that looks like. It's exponential. It's not another Lexus or an executive. It's yeah. somebody <laughs> providing another home or another room for somebody. So Geek Communications is the for-profit thing, and Your Truth Foundation is a non-profit thing. I do a lot of different stuff. Like I manage artists, and I'm, I'm getting my credential to be a marketing teacher, which is wild. Mm-hmm. Um, that Being a marketing teacher, like that for me has been an interesting thing because... I barely graduated high school. Lived like lived through it, like 0.6 GPA. Went to a homeschool program my senior year so I could recover my credits so that I could graduate on time. And that was really where it took for me that I'm better on my own. That that I'm better off of this path and kind of like figuring things out in the weeds. And from 18 to 23, like graduating high school, I tried community college, but I got pulled in all sorts of different directions. Like I raced motocross for a while, I was sponsored. I, I was I got into the professional boxing world, which I still do. I started companies, but in that process, everybody looked at me and told me that I was an idiot. Like family, friends, like everybody shamed the hell out of me. Yep. And they were like, when are you gonna grow up? When are you gonna get real? And and to a kid that's shy and insecure and introverted, when they have something that they finally find, it's like my little gem. I'm like trying to like polish this thing and figure out what the hell it is. And everybody's telling me that it's that it's my failure or that it's that it's the thing that's gonna be my downfall. That was what marketing and entrepreneurship, and I, I take marketing and entrepreneurship, those two words for me mean figuring out what you want to do in this life. Mm-hmm. Whether that's being an employee, whether that's building your own thing, whether that's becoming a nonprofit founder, like whatever that is, figuring yourself out and that self-awareness of who am I gonna be and what do I really want to do. It turned out to be actual entrepreneurship for me, but it doesn't have to, and to be able to go into a public school and teach that, like, it's the thing that, uh, that's the thing that everybody shamed me for. And now I'm looking back and like, I'm going to be a teacher in a public school for that. Yep. So it's kind of like a, wow, look at how far we've come. It's a little bit of a middle finger to everybody. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, there's so much, there's so much in it, but yeah, marketing and entrepreneurship, but I want to make it and that I owe so much to it. This is a long winded introduction. <laughs> I owe so much to marketing and entrepreneurship because it makes you look at the things for me it was self-awareness like the shyness the anxiety the fear of failure the fear of success the self-doubt the self-hate like all that stuff is wrapped up in if you want to build this thing you're gonna have to go up against those things like you're really gonna have to look yourself in the mirror and be like can i become that person or not and i feel like i'm finally hitting my stride and becoming that person and i'm barely learning how to walk i'm 27 and i've done a lot of things but (laughs) I'm barely learning how to walk, and yeah, there's all sorts of there's all sorts of different different avenues. But it's my introduction. Five minutes long. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it's great. I feel like you touched on so many different things. Where I'm like, oh yeah, I wanted to ask yeah. about that and that and that. Yeah. So that's perfect. Um, that's awesome and so insanely inspiring. And I know that I have said that multiple times Thank to you, you, but truly, like, I feel like the the story that you have this this just unconditional drive that you seem to have in you that just keeps pushing you forward even though people say those things to you I mean the the idea of like family and friends shaming you for like your dream and your goals like I think that a lot of entrepreneurs artists creatives like anyone that's trying to do anything that's slightly different than the norm they deal with that you know and I think that a lot of times it comes from a place of fear from others especially when it's family you know a lot of times it's just that they care so much and don't want to see you fail or don't want to see you struggle so they're they try to you know be cautious about it but 
that cautiousness is what keeps us from taking that next step and like really accomplishing something great. And I love that you have that. I mean, I think that's been one of not only like your heart to serve others and to do these incredible things, but like that drive that you have to keep pushing forward and to throw up that bird every once in a while to say like, no, like this is worth it. Like I got to keep going. Yeah. I mean, like I respect that so much. I mean, that's been a huge inspiration for me, like through our conversations and like through just watching what you've done and the way you show up in your business. Like it's crazy. Yeah. It really helps, like, hearing that really helps me to, like, have the confidence to keep carrying this, this torch, you know, like, when I, the way that I visualize it, and I've said it a little bit more lately, but for whatever reason, the way that it shows up in my head, the super visual brain, is that there's, like, this golden road that everybody's on that leads to this pyramid, like, this mecca, and everybody's there, and they're walking, and they're going to college, and the kids, and they're buying the house, and doing the thing, and it looks beautiful, and for whatever reason, I have to be in the jungle with a machete, like, cutting my way through <laughs> the vines and leaves, like, trying to find my own pyramid. Yeah. And I don't know idea why it shows up like that in my brain, but that's what it feels like. And there's nothing more terrifying, and there's nothing more amazing, but, but hearing words like that gives me a little signal, like, to keep walking. And I've, and I've been getting it more lately, and it's amazing, but it's just, it feels good to, like, okay, things are resonating, things are happening. Like, I know internally, but it's almost like insanity to have to, like, keep, I tell people I have a positive psychosis. Like one of the most powerful evolutionary drivers that we have is the herd mentality, pack mentality of mm-hmm. if we're different, we're gonna get exiled from the tribe and we're gonna die. Yeah. My whole life I've been different. Like I had a rat tail in high in middle in yes. elementary school, like <laughs> long hair, chubby, like super just shy and anxious and nervous, never really fit in. I've always had like like him, like I've had friends that I've been in my life for like twenty years, but it's like four or five of them. And now I'm coming into this phase of my life where it's a little bit more extroverted, a little bit, a little bit different, but I've, I've always been on the outside of the pack. And to hear things like that, I'm like, okay, I, I don't need that, but it, it helps. So it helps, it yeah. Helps so Which is, I mean, again, crazy to me because I know that we've talked about, like, both of us actually being naturally more introverted. And yeah. I think a lot of people, especially, like, two people sitting down who, you know, are trying to be entrepreneurs who have podcasts, who have like community events, who want to go out and speak to, you know, the masses and whatnot. People say like, no, there's no way you're introverted. You obviously must not know the definition, you know, but it's like, but it's so true. And I think that there's, I think that we've talked about it a little bit, that there is like that vulnerability aspect of it to say, and to be honest about it, to say, no, like this is not easy. It's not for everyone. It's hard for me. And yeah, I do, I do like, and sometimes very much need somebody to be like, bro, you're not crazy. Like, it's good. Like, keep going, you know? And there's, I think, so much value in that. And I just had this, like, incredible conversation with someone recently that we were talking about that vulnerability and being honest about these things and not being ashamed to say that, like, you need help Mm -hmm. and that you need that support, you know? Because I feel like we're in this society we're in this time where you know it's always like hashtag live your best life and you know like (laughs) right okay so so this is something it was like I was gonna ask you to hold like tell your whole story but like I think that we have so many good things that I want to talk to you about so I feel like this has been bugging me and I think that you're gonna be right here with me right now I feel like we're in a time where it is you know everyone needs to be an entrepreneur everyone needs to do their own thing you need to write your own path and like write your own all of those things 
But also there's this, especially like as a female for me, so I see it a lot, like, you know, like go and be a Beyonce kind of thing. But like, I think that both men and women are seeing it and it's this like, you got this, like go girl, like, you know, keep pushing, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it's like, no, screw that. That's Mm -hmm. like, today I can't, today I don't have it. And I actually have been trying to talk about that a little bit more to say like, guys, like, no, today was hard. Like today was really hard. And today I didn't want to keep going. And most of the time when I am able to say that, there are oftentimes people that will say, like, no, you got this. Like, keep going. And I'm like, no, no, no that's not the point. Yeah. That's not the point. Like, let's be okay with saying that things aren't okay, but encourage each other and support each other so that we can continue forward, but with something more than you got this. Absolutely. I, I think that for, it's, it's so cool that, like, this is exactly the path. Like, I'll, the way that my brain works is I'll have concepts that'll pop up and I'll be like, ooh, is this happening to everybody? Because mm-hmm. I'm really, so speaking a lot of truth to me. And this is one of those, is I, I think that we're living in a weird era where honesty is falling out. And, but it, but it's, it, honesty is being traded for this like positivity. Mm-hmm. And yes. that's what scares me, is that we, we have to, like this internal honesty of everybody has these things that are going on inside their brain that they they're rationalizing out into this external facade. So like we're living in this time where we're all creating these glass houses. Mm-hmm. We're all doing it like in some way or another. I, I mean, I'm still doing it in some way because we're, we're showing the highlights of our life. And like that stuff is cliche. And most people listening to this probably understand that, that yeah. we're listening, we're, we're only showing the highlights of our life and we're looking at the highlights of other people's lives and we're comparing ourselves. We understand that. But what really happens is that it starts to mix up our stories for us. Yeah. When I show the world this and I'm this person, but I actually feel this way, I can never be honest with myself. And if I can't be honest with myself, I'm not only isolating myself from other people helping me, but I'm isolating me from helping me. Mm-hmm. Because I can never address the issue that's actually going on because I can't tell the difference between the narrative that I've set up and what's actually happening inside me. And if we can have some honesty internally, if you can have some honesty with one person in your life or just internally like the way that I did it was with a book and a pen and just sit down and write like I woke up every morning and I was a person that I really did not want to be and I didn't feel like I could talk to anybody so I talked to myself and I wanted to figure out like why did I feel like I was a failure why did I feel like I was not enough these things are in our, our heads but we spend so much time holding up the character that we portray on social media or that we portray in our lives because everybody else is. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it's creating this isolation and it, and it stagnates the process of growth because you can't actually work on the fact that you're not an expert in your industry. And you can't actually learn or take insight from other people because you have to be the expert that you've put up. Yeah. You can't accept that coaching internally. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you have anxiety. If you put off that you're this happy person, how can you ever address that honestly with yourself or with anybody else? Because now not only do you have to deal with the fact that that's dark and that sucks, but also people are not going to, everybody thinks that I'm this person, I have to hold that up. Yeah, it would be shocking to them. It drags everything out and creates so much internal pain. And I think the reason why I have, I I feel like I have a deep understanding is because I was a compulsive liar for years of my life, where like I felt that I was not enough. And like you start to tell people who you are, what you did, all of these things. And what happens is you start to forget what is truth and what's not. And we've created a platform where more so than ever, you can put things up that are half true or not true or that you want to be true, and it feels good because it's quick. 
But what it actually does in the long term is it stagnates everything and it draws out that process of anxiety or depression or imposter or whatever you're feeling. Yeah. yeah. It's wild. I feel like there's so many, so many things that are contributing to that problem. And I think that it's some, it's a problem that's happening so subconsciously for so many people that they're not aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, another part of it that, that kind of has been driving me crazy is that like it's, I feel like we are kind of a society going through this beautiful time of like self-care and self-awareness and mental health awareness and things like that. But, you know, it's like, I keep hearing about like manifestation, which I very much believe in, you know, like, I think it's, I think it's a great concept, but I feel like it's being taken to this degree of like, okay, if I keep, it's almost validating this issue. It's saying like, okay, just keep telling yourself that you've got this, keep telling yourself you're an expert and then eventually you'll believe it. And it's like, yeah, but yeah. once you get to that place, like, again, like, are you the imposter? Like, have you been, I, like, and those are, like, insecure thoughts. Those sure. are, like, when you're having conversations with people who are really in that world, they're like, no, 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 that's your self-doubt. That's your fears talking. It's like, right. but at the same time, like, where does the truth and where does the manifestation and the goals and the and trying to progress yeah. and all that, where does that, all, it's, like, very gray. You can get lost in it so quickly. Absolutely, and I think that one of my favorite sayings ever was never waste a trigger. So, like, that, that idea of not wasting a trigger when you feel pain or you feel sadness or self-doubt rather than reacting to it and running away from it or blocking it, sitting in it a little bit, however is healthy, and learning from it. And like this morning, I woke up with, like literally this morning, I woke up thinking that everything that I was doing was going to fail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Seriously. Like, like I, what if what if the media company doesn't work out? Then I'm going to have to lean on this marketing teacher budget and the marketing teacher money, but the marketing teacher money is not much. It's not really enough for me to sustain myself. So like, what am I going to do? How am I going to make this work? The nonprofit, we're, we're opening up a property. What if nobody wants to fund that? What if nobody wants to donate? What if we don't be like... And the part that's really hard for me is that there's some of that in there. The reason why those things pop up or the reason why they affect us is because part of us believes it. Mm-hmm. And that's the part where the learning is. It's like, why do you believe that? Where does that come from? Because it's probably not your belief. You're probably reacting to something that happened in the past or something somebody said to you. Like, I'm still beating back the shy kid that was told that nothing was ever going to work. Like, yeah. I'm sitting here, we're, we're, this is super, like, almost narcissistic. Like, let's record <laughs> our conversation because we're so fantastic. So right. <laughs> and I just, I want people to, to I, I, I'm speaking to myself as much as anybody, like, where are you placing your focus? Because those things are going to pop up. And with the projects coming, with, I mean, the next DM I'm going to send, like whatever I'm going to try to do that has a chance to fail, I could tell everybody that's, that's listening, I could tell you all of the reasons why it wouldn't work, and they would all be true. Mm-hmm. Or I could tell you all the reasons why, they, why it would work, and those would also be true. So, in effect, what it is is where am I going to look, and where am I going to consciously divert my attention and that's hard to do that that takes work yeah but both realities are true and you can work towards one or you can work towards the other and I mean like positive visualization and manifestation I think that they have their weight but you have to also do the thing mm-hmm. that's what worries me is like we've we've gotten ourselves into an era of if I think it it'll come true I'm like, well, yeah. sometimes like, yeah to a certain degree maybe yeah, exactly and yeah you, you have to do it yeah, and, and it's it's amazing, too. It's like I, I feel like you're talking about such a great balance where I think that through this idea of, like, self-care and manifestation and, like, talking, you know, positive self-talk and things like that, again, are great things, but 
you found that balance to say, yes, those things are good, but we also have to kind of validate like our struggles and our pains and our traumas and we have to deal with them and it's something that none of us want to do like there's nothing fun about that you know and especially admitting those things to admit when we had a conversation that we both feel like imposters like we both wake up and sometimes think like what am I doing why am I the one talking to people what what is it that makes me somehow better than the next person to be having these conversations but I think that especially in the work that you're doing, like the one thing that makes what you do and the way you do it so valuable is the fact that you do it. You, I mean, that's just grit. I, I think that like back to the stories and like admitting things to ourselves, one of the ways that, and it was very recent for me, that's why like my past, I never wanted to ever acknowledge mm-hmm. because, not necessarily because I was scared of it, but because I was scared that I would use it as a crutch and rationalize it. Like because I've been through all that, it'll reinforce the belief that like, People who have, have grown up in those circumstances or environments turn into those things, and we can get into the specifics of what that was if you want. But people who grow up in those kinds of environments generally turn into that, and therefore, like when you do fail, it'll be okay because you know I wasn't meant to do this anyways. Sorry, everybody, I, I didn't have the right like that crutch scared me. So what I did, and like I think it was just mid last year ish, mid like 2018, was for whatever reason I had so many people open up to me about their story. And I'm always, I, you always look at it and go, fuck, they're blaming themselves mm-hmm. so many times. It's my fault. I could have done something different. I should have known. And on the outside, you're looking in and you're like, wow, no, you could have known. You were four years old. You were eight years old. Yeah. You were 12. Like, you could have known. How could you? But they really believe it. So what I did was I, I asked myself, like, what if somebody was telling me my story? So you, Kelly, like, what if, what if somebody that you were talking with was telling you your story how would you react to that it's your story but how would you react to somebody else and I did that for myself like somebody was telling me what I had been through and how it might have formulated me and then I thought about it this third person perspective of what might that person have to deal with what would that have how would that have shaped them it takes away a lot of the judgment mm-hmm. you know I, I'm not looking at it like oh I should have known no no another person what would you say to them and then say that to yourself. And that's the part, I think, that, that does the work and allows us to really be honest with, like, fuck, that did happen. That sucks. But we can move through that. Because mm-hmm. you've seen other people move through that. And having that compassion to be able to accept it. And I feel like there's, there, I mean, there's research and there's, there's personal experience and all sorts of stuff that when we do not accept ourselves, we're not honest with what's going on and we push it down, it's really prevalent in men, when we push it down, it gets worse. Yeah. We have to be able to accept it and reframe it. And the one, the, the only way that I got there was by detaching from it and looking at it like, look at that kid over there. Look what he went through. Mm-hmm. What do you think about him? Not think that about you. Yeah, because we're so. It's so much easier for us to show other people grace rather than show ourselves Absolutely. that same grace. Absolutely. It's. It's ridiculous. It is. It is. It's just. It's. It's just ridiculous. Like there's no. There's no better word for it. And and it's so sad. I think to see that. And it's funny because I say that and it's like, oh yeah, it's so sad to see that while I'm doing that yeah. to myself, you yeah. know? And it's just crazy. Like that cycle that it can that it can create. Um, so with all of that, I do think that I I would love to give people a little bit of backstory on like the kinds of things you're talking about. Cause I love yeah. I feel like all of that gave such a great window <laughs> into who you are now and sure. like this incredible strength that you have and the the wildly amazing things that you're doing through the organizations. Um, 
And I would love to hear kind of what it was that, you know, the, the parts of your story that you, that you deem your story and that have led you to this point mm-hmm. and what brought you to this kind of work where you felt this, you, you felt convicted that you had this drive that you had to make a difference, you had to make a change. Yeah, I mean, nobody really chooses the way that they grow up. They, they choose that I think there's a point in time where something happens to us or happens around us that, however painful, gives us a chance to be able to choose who we want to become. And that was a lot of my upbringing. I mean, a lot of this is going to revolve around my parents and my home life. And um, I, I want to start it by saying that my family is the most incredible people. They are the most incredible people ever. I think we're all raised by people who are just trying to be the best selves. And they're influenced by their parents. And trauma travels through generations. And we're all just kind of like reenacting and mimicking the things that we grew up with. And I, it's the reason why I think pain exists. I think pain exists to jolt us into growth. Mm-hmm. If pain didn't exist, we'd be comfortable and we would never grow into the people that we want to become. And that's really how I look at it. Like, that was horrible. But I'd do it again if I had to to become this person. Um, my parents are incredible, generous, nice, amazing people who are doing the best they could with what they had. Um, but I was raised around a lot of addiction. There was, there was drugs. There was um, a lot of alcoholism. A lot of like instability in the household and in parallel with being raised around addiction what that does to a person internally also having people open up to me in this weird way um, girls like six years old I can remember friends like telling me that they're somebody in their family was touching them and that was weird and that as a six-year-old you don't really know but you just you you can see that pain in somebody mm-hmm. and it really engineered me to start to have this deep emotional intelligence and there's this mechanism that um, I just learned about last year in reading that is called like deep enmeshment or enmeshment and what'll happen is if a toddler is raised in an environment where they feel where it's it's like it's hard to comprehend because it's like a very subconscious reptilian like brainstem kind of mechanism on a very deeply subconscious level if your brain starts to identify that your environment is unstable or the person taking care of you is unstable. So like as early as six months to three years, Mm -hmm. if your brain identifies or perceives that your environment's unstable, it will start to kill its own needs and its own feelings and wants in order to suit the needs of the person taking care of you. It's a survival thing because if you don't make that person happy, that person might be unstable, they might not be happy, they might might not take care of you, you might die. It's basic like subconscious survival brain logic but yeah. but it happens and it's characterized a lot of times by kids that have dreams of them dying repetitively like they die in their dreams mm. and I remember I had a dream when I was young that I was like the only nightmare that I can remember that was repetitive where I was like in this train tunnel and there were zombies coming after me and they'd always get me and I had no idea like they just have bad dreams as a kid yeah but what it does is is it sets you up for this I mean you the downside of it is it is it you neglect your identity, you neglect your needs and wants, and you really are out of touch with yourself and your memories. I don't remember a lot from my childhood because of it. But what it does is it sets you up with this like hyper-emotional intelligence. And I think a lot of people have it. The book I read it from was called The Drama of the Gifted Child. And it's about how therapists or people who are like savior syndrome, super rocks for people in their lives, it's about how they become like that and what sets us up to be that kind of person. And it's that that scenario of feeling like your life is unstable as a kid, and then your brain going, okay, what I need to do to survive is I need to please that person. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes parents 
especially if they're a little emotionally unstable, will look to their kids for their emotional needs. They'll look to their kids for their significance and their love and their connection. And that child's gaze is so powerful. So that that's kind of what engineered me, is this emotional intelligence of like, for whatever reason, people opened up to me, I had that circumstance, like a deep understanding of no, or deep understanding of trauma and pain, and I've seen things and had people open up to me and tell me stories and just really let me in on a level that most people don't. And um, you can kind of bridge that with me being a shy kid, like growing up in an uns- I don't I don't know exactly why. Um, I think that I'm naturally extroverted, but I grew or built an introverted person. That was my identity for so long that. I'm now stripping that away and figuring out like, oh, I do like people and I like connecting and collaborating, working together. Like those things feel good to me now, but they're poison to me in high school or college. Like I need to relax. I need to recover. There's no way I can be around people right now. Super bullied through high school. Um, Not a lot of friends, just wanted to fit in. Like really eager to fit in. And in, I don't know the year, I think it's 08, like 2008, my mom went to the hospital when I was around 16 years old. Ambulance to the hospital overnight. Called the paramedics. It was um, it was due to alcoholism, and she went into surgery that night. And I was like, I was a shy kid who was dependent on my mom. She went to surgery, ten percent chance to live, exploratory surgery, which is basically like we're just gonna cut her open and, and see what we can do. She lived. She was in ICU for three weeks, and she was in the hospital for another three months. I was uh, I think either a sophomore or a junior in high school. My driver's license test was, it was during winter break at school. My driver's license test was like two days before winter break was over. And the deal was, my dad was working all the time. My mom was in the hospital. You better pass your license test. You better, and then once you pass your license test, here's the keys to your mom's car. Figure out a way to pay for your gas. Figure out a way to pay for your car insurance. Get to school and get to the hospital because you need to visit your mom because we don't know if she's going to make it out now. And that was the moment, like 16 years old, where I was like, I was doing all these things to try to fit in. I was starting to do drugs, starting to get involved with girls. Like, I was becoming the popular, like, stupid kid mm-hmm. that, I, that I thought I wanted to be. And that was the decision that was a major pivotal, like, inflection point in my life. Of if my mom's, if they call me and be like, hey, come down here, this may be your last chance to see your mom. I'm not gonna be strong out on something. I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. And at the same time, like, that was the pain that jolted me into the awareness of kids that come from those backgrounds usually end up like that. Mm-hmm. I should be, I mean, statistically looking at me on paper, I should be living paycheck to paycheck, I should have three kids from three different moms, I should be, you know, like bouncing around from couch to couch. Yeah. Because if you were to look at me on paper in high school, GPA is terrible, mom's in the hospital, dad's working all the time, starting to get into drugs, which are, like if you looked at me just objectively, I should be doing those things. But that pain jolted me the awareness of because of those things, I'm going to make sure that my family and that I don't have to experience those things. I'm going to make sure that as many people as I can don't have to experience those things. And that's really, like, that event of pain or something that happens in our life is the thing that allows us to make that decision of it does not matter what happened up until this point. It doesn't. Nobody cares. It doesn't. It will only affect you for so long. What you do from this point forward is your choice. And that's what I started to do at 16 and a couple different points in my life and really push me into the person that I am now is who you want to be and why and sit and write that down and figure out exactly who that person is who are you now and why are you that way because you did not build that you didn't choose to be shy you didn't choose to be depressed there was never a time when 
eight-year-old you decided that you wanted to hurt yourself. That, that choice didn't happen. You're responding to the things that happened around you. What you do from this point forward, and that is an up and down fight. That's not like, all of a sudden I'm gonna choose to make great choices. No, you're gonna make bad choices, you're gonna do bad things. But that choice from that point of pain forward, which could be right now, is the thing that will that will move you in the direction you wanna go. It's hard to believe that like we're just this formulation of things that have happened to us, but we are. Mm -hmm. But once we realize that, it's, it's, it's our chance to, in the most cliche statement ever, it's our chance to take control of our life. Which is cliche as hell, but it's the truth. Yeah. There's more details of the story, but that's kind of like the, the, the theme, like, or my takeaway, like my, what, what I believe shaped my life. That's a wildly incredible story. I was like, I, you don't need many more details than that. Um, that's, that's incredible. I mean. It's just a journey. Yeah. I mean, but also the level of self-awareness I feel that you have. I mean, I, I obviously you have, you've had to work to yeah, get yeah. to that point yeah. for sure. But I mean, it, it also sounds like this is something that you bring up and that you're aware of and that you're dealing with on a, on a daily basis too. Yeah. I think that. You know, like what you were saying, where it's like, it's not like one day you're just like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be a good person now. Oh. Like, oh, things are going to be great. You know, it's something that you have to deal with on a constant basis. And again, like going back to what we were saying before, it's it's not a it's not a fun conversation to have. But I, I think that your story and what you're doing now is just a perfect representation of how valuable that conversation that you can have with yourself Absolutely. can be. Like. Absolutely. It can make the world a difference in your life. It was, Tammy, it was an internal conversation, uh, especially for men. And I don't know how, like, indoctrinated I was into the hyper-masculinity. Um, but when you if, you, if you feel like you can't talk to anybody, like, what I did was I decided when I was 20, so I'm 27 now, so, like, seven years-ish, 90% of my days, I've committed to waking up an hour before I have to. So, like, you have to wake up at 6.30, wake up at 5.30. An hour before I have to, when I sit down for the first 10 minutes in my brain, I haven't reacted to a text message yet, I haven't reacted, I haven't looked at anything, like nobody talks to me in the morning, and I'll sit down and I'll write what's in my head. And when I was younger, it was dark thoughts and shyness and just like regret and all sorts of stuff. And you just, you write it down, you have a, when you're writing, you're having a conversation with yourself. That first hour of the day to just sit with a piece of paper and a pencil, and usually I'll take about 15 minutes to just purge, like get it out of my head and on a paper and then read for another 45 minutes. So I'm taking my perspective and I'm at least rationalizing it or at least addressing it and then I'm introducing new perspective and the most like, when my brain is the most fresh, I don't, I'm not mad at anything yet, there's no Facebook incoming, there's no mm -hmm. calls, there's no business, nothing. In the morning, you're just waking up and if you can, that was the thing I, I say it saved my life because it, it was an appointment where I just didn't want to be the person that I was. And there was pain, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And there was childhood stuff, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And I was able to at least start to be honest with myself. It didn't happen all at once. It's taken seven years, and I'm still still acknowledging things. And I'm like, oh, I'm fucking lying, <laughs> lying to myself. Like, yeah. No. But you start to see the value in. Okay, honesty sucks, but at least you can address it if you're wrong. Yeah. And that's why, like, I started this with the whole self-honesty thing. I think it is at the crux of so many issues. We have to be internally honest. So it's painful. The thing that's painful about it is not the thing. It's your judgment of the thing. You think that makes you a bad person. The thing itself doesn't actually make you a bad person. You're just a human. Most people understand it. We, I think we should deepen our understanding and our open-mindedness. Like, we're all going to think bad things. We're all going to lie. We're all going to cheat. We're all going to steal. Like, we're all, we're, we're just humans. 
if we keep doing it, it's a different question. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. <laughs> so great. I love that. <laughs> I mean, and it, it seems like all of this, it connects so well to your Truth Foundation. Yeah. It was honestly a part of the conversation that I just had with Ivory on the previous podcast episode where we talked about um, kind of some of her traumas and struggles, but we talked about like our inner voices and that her and I had both gone through this process of, of realizing and having to come to terms with the fact that the voices in our heads aren't always our own and to yes. acknowledge, right? And, yes. and to acknowledge the fact that sometimes those voices are angry, sometimes they're resentful, sometimes they're joyful and they're full of happiness, but sometimes they're not our truth. And I think that what you're talking about is such a, an incredible way of practicing that kind of self-awareness to say like, okay, let me, let me take all of the voices away. And honestly, like I've, I've never heard anybody else, like I've heard about like, you know, like have reflection in the morning yeah, and you yeah. sit down, do meditation, do whatever, you know, but like the way that you're talking about it is such an intentional practice to say, I want to talk with myself, 100%. you know, and because I, I think it is such a rare thing that we can get quiet with ourselves and and to really truly hear our voice yeah. and just our voice yeah. and to be able to sit down and have that conversation, especially someone like me, like I am like the squirrel, like I am that I get distracted <laughs> by everything. It was like I work in social media, so that doesn't help either, right. you know, but it's like there's always these things like right. and I've gotten to a point where, you know, like as an adult, I've acquired anxiety and I have dealt with social anxiety and, and my own anxiety that literally feels like it's stemmed from nothing. Like yeah. it, I'll feel anxious sometimes and I don't know why. And I'm going through in my head just like the checklist of like, oh God, there's so many things I have to do. There's so many people that are relying on me. There's so many things I'm going to fail and there's so many ways I'm going to let these people down. And all of a sudden I'm having a panic attack and nothing has happened yet, you know, and it's just all of those voices. And I think that, I mean, like, God, if we could, if you could teach everyone to be able to do this, I mean, it sounds like an incredible process to be able to go through to, to identify that voice and to be able to distinguish what our voice is, who that person is, who we are, and to be able to have a heartfelt conversation with ourselves to give ourselves that grace. And, and then to be able to find our truth, you know? That's, I mean, it's so cliche. Like, the founder of the Your Truth Foundation is right. telling you to find your truth. <laughs> but there's a reason why we named it that. And yeah. I think that we see so many behaviors of people, like, in, and if we, it, like, objective detachment is something that's such a big deal. Like, you just look at yourself from a third person. Like, why are you thinking those things? Where are they coming from? Are they relevant right now? Like, I was the most shy person you could have ever imagined. And one of my first jobs was in the restaurant and that was like a big hill to climb. And one day I just, and it was cool. Like I don't, the blessing that I was granted of this, this thought, why am I being shy right now? Why? Is there anything in here that's threatening me? Cause I feel really scared. Like what, is there anything that's bad is going to happen? I'm like, no, you're reacting to something that resembles how you should act. And I think that we're, we're seeing so many behaviors in in social media, in society, in our relationships with people, where people are, they don't realize it, but they're fervently seeking connection. They're, they're taking pictures so that, I mean, why do we take pictures of our food and post them so everybody can see them? Because we want, we want to, like, know somebody's looking at us. Mm -hmm. We want to be seen. Our dogs, our, our selfies, our, you know, girls with the pictures of their ass out, guys with the pictures of their shirts off. We want to be significant. We want to be valid. We want to be sought after. 
And I think we're externalizing it so much because we're living in an age where there's so little connection, but mostly so little connection internally. You don't know how to connect with yourself, so you're seeking addiction, so you can connect to some substance and some feeling, an abusive an abusive uh, relationship. You're seeking something. You have to be with these guys, have to be with all these girls so they can feel some connection to somebody. These girls have to be with all these guys. Like, there's so many behaviors, so many examples of it. And I think ultimately it's because we don't know how to connect with ourselves. And this stuff sounds so cliche to me, but figuring out who you are and how you can connect with yourself, and then you can decide, like, do I need these behaviors? It's not the behavior itself, it's the feeling that you get from it. Mm-hmm. It's not that person you're with that, that you love that's bad for you. It's the feeling that you get from them. It's the way you perceive them. You can get that feeling anywhere. You just happen to get it from that person. You can get it internally, you can get it externally. It's so, like this talk of, like, how do we connect ourselves? And the thing is, is like, I can't save anybody. Nobody can save anything. You're the person that has to do this work. There's guidance and there's inspiration and there's feedback and support and that exists clearly. Like we're having this conversation, like we are those people, mm-hmm. but nobody can do that work for you. And I tried for so long to do that work for everybody. Like I got you, right? like, we'll figure this out. Yep. <laughs> so that savior syndrome from my childhood that now I'm aware of, but I what for most of my life I was not aware of. That's the thing that makes me feel significant is to be that person to help everybody. When in reality, like they, you, you need your pain. You do. You need it so that you'll move in the direction you don't. Mm-hmm. And all the people that are holding you up and telling you and like making you feel better, those escapes. Let's let's sit and have some honesty with like what's going on. Who do you want to be? Who are you now? And where do you want to go? How did you get there? Like, and that can all be done either internally or with conversations with other people. But connect, like connecting with yourself. Who do you? What do you want to be in this world? How do you want people to talk about you? How do you want to make your money? Like, especially with guys, because guys are doing all sorts of crazy shit. Like, <laughs> like, like guys, I mean, it's part of it, and it branches into the work for YTF, for Your Truth Foundation, is, like, we tell women that it, I, it started as violence against women and how to, prevent, how to prevent that. Now it's violence against kids and women, but guys are propagating these things. 86% of the time, it's violent, it, like, violent crime is propagated by men. 97% of the rapes are propagated by men. They're doing it to men, they're doing it to kids, they're doing it to women, they're doing it, like, what, what is going on with guys? I, I, I'm not going to live in a world where I sit here and think that an eight-year-old boy has decided that that's who he wants to be. Mm-hmm. So he's reacting to something because he doesn't know how to connect with himself. Like, as a man, who do you want to be in this world? Do you want, how do you want to make your money? How do you want people to look at you? How, how, do you, how do you want to be talked about when you're not around? What do you want to be, truly? Yeah. No, and I... I... I'm so grateful that there is a voice like yours out there you. for men in this community and, and just in general because I feel like that's something that we don't really talk about a lot. And like as a woman, I feel like right now we're in this day and age where like women are banding together oh, yeah. and they're, you know, it is, you know, women for women and supporting and all of these great, beautiful things. But like for me, through Support SD Local, like I, I do have primarily a female-based support. Sure. A lot of my audience are females. But... For me, like I can't do the work that I do without men. I, you know, <laughs> for me, it, you know, it's like I, I actually just had to tell somebody that. Like I had a woman who, who loved what I was doing and was a huge supporter, and asked when I was going to do the next women's event or yeah. when I was going to do something like for you know the right. women of our community. Right. And for me, I'm like I'm not support SD women. Yeah. I'm support SD local and SD and this world is made up of men and women and I feel like 
being able for all of us as individuals to say like, you know, to, to do away with the labels of like men and women and black and white and cultures and races and religions and all of these things to say like, I am human, we are human. And like, we just need to fix ourselves. We need to ask ourselves these questions. And I, like you said, you know, like say like, why? Like, why are we behaving this way? What it is, what is it that's causing these traumas or these pains that are leading us to do these things? Because for me, like I was, I, I feel truly blessed to have quite a number of extraordinary men in my life, you included, you know? I mean, really, like, I think that I am one of the lucky ones, you know? It's like I've had my share, fair share of trauma and pain that have come from men, but far more I have had good, strong, independent, loving, caring men who value and respect each other. They value and respect women, They you know, and can understand that it's not about that division, but... I feel like there is there's this toxic masculinity out there that so many guys don't want to talk about because there is this huge culture of shame that surrounds that you know and it's like you know you gotta you gotta be tough you gotta be quiet like put just shove it all deep down like be be big and strong you know and it's like but but men are also like so capable of such strength Um, and power in so many other ways so i like the idea of toxic masculinity to me and like it's it, it triggers so many people mm. where they go I, I can't be a man anymore what I can't but come on bro like what I'm just a guy like yeah you're just a guy but I think that and, and this is my like thesis or like what I'm trying to push that direction is like what do we consider a real man mm. and I have a speaker who works with me hopefully if he listens to this he'll be like pounding his chest because he, <laughs> he sent me a he sent me a, a post of a boxer um, I'm just going to say his name. He sent me a post of a boxer named Adrian Broner. And Adrian Broner is a heavyweight champion, is a, is, a, is a legit fighter. All the respect in the world for him. But he'll post things of him like standing with money and girls shaking their ass around him. And it's like, I'm not a boxer, I'm just a businessman. I'm like, okay, what, what about that makes you a businessman? Yeah. Why, does, why, why do we associate real man? And I'm, this is the part where it gets in culture and society of when you, when you look at the icons of our society, objectively, what are they, how, what are they teaching younger males, younger alphas, whatever, younger males about how they should act when, to get to a position of status? Men in a position of status, they exploit women. They have women who are half naked around them because that makes them a real man. They have a bunch of money. They have cars. They have a big dick. They have like, well, there's, and then the, what that does is that puts pressure on guys. Yeah. You have to be this person in order to be that way. If what you're feeling isn't that, then you're not a real man. And I, I think we need to blow open the doors on what it is to be a like quote real man mm-hmm. why is it cool to be those things if you want to be those things okay like that's fine if that's who you truly want to be as a person we need to take this thing off this pedestal of this is what a guy is and if you're not this then you're not enough yeah not that there are, that there aren't any other options okay. yeah. I, I think that we need to like my personal definition is that you need to be all the things like cool you're strong and you can fight like that's great every other guy like I was born with, I, I'm, a, I'm a man, I have three times your testosterone, I have chimpanzee strength, fucking amazing, <laughs> I love it, but I need to, if I'm, if I'm going to truly be a real man, I have to look at the things that I'm not good at, I need to be intellectual, I need to be well-educated, I need to be empathetic, emotionally intelligent, I need to be able to help people, I need to be able to do all the things as a guy, like, we've reached a point where, in evolution, I think that we need to raise the bar from, it's not enough just to be loudmouth, to be able to go kill the dragon. You need to be able to kill the dragon, and you need to be able to care for your family, and you need to be able to have conversations like this, mm-hmm. and you need to be able to understand that person who's in pain and help them. If 
you want to be a real man, you need to do all those things because we have plenty of training around the guys that can kill the dragons. Everybody needs to be able to do that, yes. Let's be masculine, let's be that guy. But let's also be all these other things because those things are hard. And the reason why we built killing the dragon into, into, into being a real man is because at one point in time, that was the hard thing to do. And it still is, but we need to do all of this because there's more hard things to do that guys need to step up and do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited that we're publishing this. This is insane. I mean, there's just, there is truly so much value, I think, in just that concept because I think that there are so many individuals that are getting lost in these lies mm -hmm. that we keep telling ourselves. Mm -hmm. And there is so much goodness out there, I think, that is being stifled by these stigmas and by these expectations and by our society telling men and women what they are supposed to be and what they're not supposed to be. And the idea of being able to sit down and say, like, why? Like, why do I do these things? But also, why do I think I have to be these other things? What is it? Who is it that I am? What is it that drives me? What can I truly contribute to this life and to this world? Like, there's just something that I, I don't understand why we got to this point or how we got to this point where that is deemed weak. You know, sure. the idea, I, I, obviously, like, I think that it's much easier for women to be vulnerable because it's not seen as something as weak. Right. But, I mean, for men to be able to sit down and have a vulnerable conversation, I've had conversations with guys where I feel, I mean, I feel so honored to be able to sit down and have right. men cry in front of me, right. to share their stories, to be truly sensitive. But then it almost always will be followed up with a knee-jerk reaction of like, oh, and but like, yeah. we're, we're not recording this, exactly. right? Like, don't tell anybody, you know? And it's <laughs> exactly. like... And, and, and then we come back to this shame and to that pain, and it's it it's crazy to me. Like, Wait, can, I, I just want to reframe that. Mm -hmm. Feeling pain and addressing that as a man should be viewed as strength. Yes. Walking into the place that makes you feel uncomfortable as a man, like, that's bravery, right? Yes. Bravery is no longer going to the gym every day and, and doing that. Like, if that's hard for you, then I consider that bravery. But, but bravery is subjective to what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. If something's really hard for you, like connecting with somebody and talking about the things that have happened to you or talking about your feelings, even if it's looked at as making you less of a man and stepping into that vulnerable place, that is strength and bravery. That's courage. Those are the things that we associate with being a real man, but we're getting it twisted mm -hmm. because all of these things make me brave. No, no, no. Those things could if they're hard for you, but what makes you a real man is stepping into vulnerability and being okay there. I think it, being, being vulnerable at one point for me was running a mile. Like I was the most unathletic kid ever. So you're not I, alone there. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I hate this. It hurts. I don't want to do it. So at that, in that time, that was courageous of me to try to do that work because that sucked. I did it enough that became easy. So we need to do the next thing. Okay, the next thing was whatever public speak. Like there's for everybody, it's different. But we need to reframe that from you're being weak if you talk to no no going and being weak and getting strong there is the man shit. Mm -hmm. I really do. And like we could, I mean, I kind of want to pivot it to, to women too. Yeah. It's interesting. It's happening in the, with, the, with the female species. And like, just my take is like, it's so interesting with hyper femininity, femininity and the way that clothing is becoming more revealing and there's things like slut walks and, and like all sorts of hyper sexualization of women that is being played as feminism. It's being played as what it means to be a real woman. Mm -hmm. You have role models like Cardi B and like, I'm completely objective. Like, if that's who you want to be, be it. Yeah. That's fine. But I just, I'm not going to judge 
what you should wear, who you should be as a person. Same way I won't judge guys. Like, that's who you truly want to be. But is that really what being a real woman means? And why? Yeah. To be able to wear a thong. Like, why does that make you a real woman? The same way that guys with cash and women around them, why does that make them a real man? I think that question applies both ways. And I, we really need to get down to it. Like, who do you want to be as a woman? Who do you want to be as a man? Those are questions that need to be answered in a very honest way. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that so much of it gets twisted so much right now, um, especially with women. And I don't think it's a very popular belief coming from a woman, but I I honestly feel like there's, you know, there's this movement of like, it, it's trendy to call yourself a feminist, you know, to, to come out and say like, women for women and like, we need to fight and we're sisters and things like that. But for me, it's like, but why is hating men something that a real woman should do. Right. I mean, why, I mean, I, my heart goes out to the women who have sons yeah. who are trying to raise good men while they're also being pushed to a place of, you know, it's the, the right thing to do as a woman is to hate the male species, you know, and, and to look around and to, to say, like, why, how? Like, how is it that we've gotten to this place where we feel like all we have to do is just fight each other all yeah. the time and we're constantly in this this place of being defensive, having to explain ourselves, having to feeling like we have to fight everyone for what we believe in, where it's like, are you are you trying to fight everybody else or are you fighting yourself right now? Like, sure. what is it that we're actually dealing with? Sure. Or are you just chasing what, what, what you think you need to be because everybody else is? Yes. That's what we break down. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what we need to break down is, are you just chasing the thing that will make you feel like you're enough so you can be like that person? Yeah. Men and women. Yeah. yeah. And that's the crazy thing about it where it's like there's so much division right now, but I feel like we're all dealing with the same we're dealing with the same questions. We're so. dealing with the same pressures. It it comes out in different forms whether it's you're the one shaking your ass in front of the TV or you're the one standing in front of the woman shaking right. your ass, you know, but it's like but we're all just like in this constant struggle yeah. and it's just like where did where did our purpose yeah. and go? I, and looking at it from a different frame of like what is that per- regardless of the behavior like I don't care if you shake your ass I don't care if you get money I don't care if you do nothing like, yeah. whatever what what is what is infinitely more important is what's underlying that what is that person getting from that they're doing it for a reason mm-hmm. there's something about it that they need maybe they're feeling more significant maybe they're feeling more connected they're feeling like this adds some variety to their life everything else is boring and it's the only thing that really lights them on fire like let's look at the underlying traits mm-hmm. The behaviors are just symptoms. The behaviors are just these little things that are popping up. That's that's what we're doing, but we're all serving these deeper emotional needs, and we're we're doing it in different ways. Everybody does it in a different way, but rather than judging the person, oh, why are you doing that? Like, take a second, mm-hmm. check your shit for a minute, and think about why that person might be doing that, and what in their life they might have experienced to set them up with that need. And that, that I mean that that thought process is literally what makes me. Like that, that deep emotional intelligence of, okay, right now you're you're doing whatever you're doing. What are you getting out of that? What? Why would you do that? What does it say about your beliefs in this world? Mm-hmm. That behavior. I mean, I love to look at belief structures. What do you have to believe about this world for you to be able to do what you do? To be a, I mean, your brain can still work. What does that What does that mean about your belief structure? Yeah. There's a lot of things that that it means about your belief structure. I did this cool breakdown with my kids in school. Where I was like, I'm a guy, and I get my eyebrows waxed. What does that say about me? And I was like, and we were sitting in this group, and I like had, I mean, we're, we're at-risk population, continuation high school, like, 
they're honest. It's fantastic. <laughs> so everybody, you're gay. You, you're conceited. You're like all this. Like, okay, whatever. And I said, well, does that, if we look at what that says about me, rather than just reacting to, oh, they get their eyebrows waxed. What does that say? What kind of person? Like we can start to we can start to get our hands wrapped around like different communication styles. What does that What does that mean about me? Does that mean I'm a I'm a structured person, or I mean generally, am I a structured person, or am I really like chaotic and can't get things done? Well, I mean, if you can like budget the money and you can you can make the appointment to get that done, you're probably a little bit more structured. Mm-hmm. Like, cool, like, we're learning something about yeah, me. Yeah, I was like, okay, off, okay. Based off my eyebrows. Like, <laughs> all right, all right, that makes that makes sense. Do I do I care about my appearance? Am I am I probably more organized with my stuff because I'm because I'm taking care of myself? I'm taking time to take care of myself, or at least like I care about my appearance and I care about how others perceive me. It's a possible route. Like you can start, and it was like eight steps. There were all sorts of examples like that, and I finished it with. If you were to communicate something to me, would you communicate it in like a chaotic, unstructured way? Or would you do it in a structured, more like, you know, kind of put together kind of way? And then I looked at me and I'm like, probably more, more structured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's stop looking at these symptoms of like this stuff that we're displaying and let's look about what that says about us as people and, and what it, it, the reason why. Because that opens up the chance for us to have real communication, mm-hmm. for us to be able to be empathetic. I see what you're doing. I see what you need. Okay, let's have a real talk. Let's stop bouncing off of you made me angry or you turned me on. Like, we're just reacting so much. Take two seconds and look deeper at somebody's waxed eyebrows and be like, what? what? Who, is, who is that? Yeah, what does that actually mean? <laughs> yeah, I love that. I mean, the, the like, I, I feel like the, my simplest uh, explanation of myself, like, in my love for that mm-hmm. is that, like, I'm a people watcher. Like, yeah. I am fascinated by just the human race because we are so insanely complex and we lose sight of that so easily you know like thinking that everyone's the same way if you're a white man you're this way if you're a black man you're that way if you're you know a mexican woman you're gonna do these things in life you know whatever it is and it is so crazy to me because (laughs) it is so far from the truth like i'm such a nerdy character like behind closed doors i'm a huge sci-fi geek so i've grown up with this idea like I'm a huge like I am a Trekkie like I'm a huge Star Trek fan yeah and most people are just like oh god here we go um but like it actually when I was really young I felt like I got this visualization in my head of like the way I understood the world and for me it was like alternate realities that each person's individual life in my opinion is an alternate reality because Nothing about what you look like or where you come from will define everything you do moving forward. Nothing does that. Every tiny little interaction changes us constantly. We're constantly evolving and growing and reacting and taking in information and putting it all out. So it's like the idea of thinking that one person is going to be the same to the next is insane to me because it's an alternate reality. These are alternate personalities and totally separate experiences of life. And that's where it's like, for me, it's crazy to think that anyone could understand something, <laughs> like someone else. It's like, no, you yeah, you have yeah. no idea. But I think that the, the idea of saying, like, I will never truly understand another person fully. Like, you can only truly understand yourself. You're the only one that actually has all of that insight. And we could spend a lifetime trying to understand ourselves and we will still have to do it every single day. We will still have to go through these practices of reflection and asking ourselves why and we'll still have to wake up the next morning and do it all over again because 
who I was yesterday is not who I am today. And it's just like, it's crazy. But that idea of wanting to be empathetic, wanting to understand, and wanting to then find acceptance, wanting to find a place where we can be at peace, not by saying you and I have to agree on the same thing, but maybe I can understand that you can have a different perspective on this because you've gone through different things, and that's okay. For sure, and the way that that translates to me with everybody being so complicated is that when we deal with judgment, mm -hmm. is nobody knows, like, nobody knows you. They can make a statement and say you suck, but they have no idea. Yeah. They, they can say your artwork sucks, but they have no idea where you came from. They have no idea what you're trying to do with that. They're seeing it through their lens. So when I look at people who judge me, I mean, I'm a little weird because I love judgment, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a crazy thing to love, but I mean, like, it can, it, you can come to yeah. such incredible results with it. You can. And, it, and it, to me, it shows me that I'm playing the game. Mm -hmm. At least I'm doing it. And to me, that's all I want to do is I just want a chance to, I just want to take the floor. Like, just let me in the, let me in the room. And when I look at judgment, and people can say whatever they want to say, but they don't have all the context. They just don't. Nobody knows me. Nobody knows where I'm going or what I'm doing or what my thought process is. They see 001% of what you put out there. You put an Instagram post or a book or a podcast, and they listen to you, and all of a sudden they formulate this appearance of who you are. But that's formulated through their lens. They don't know you anywhere near well enough to actually be accurate with their judgments. The judgment's kind of just them speaking about them. Mm -hmm. It's... In, we talk about projection, but it's them speaking their version of what they see. It's too, it's being seen far too heavily through their lens to have any accurate representation or interpretation of who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. So when somebody judges me, I see them, I don't see me. Yeah. Which is a while, like, I feel like that's, that, that could have come from, a, you know, a, a 10 year experience therapist like there is some <laughs> gold in that right there but it, it, it happens to us in the weirdest moments i was working in my restaurant i'll be 21 years old i was getting a little bit more confident and this couple came in and i'll never remember like i'll never forget seeing projection for the first time and really witnessing it in the moment i would this couple sat down i was doing my thing i mean i, I we had to wear like all black and a tie on it's a high-end wine bar they sit down, they say, hey, how are you doing tonight? My name's Matthew, I'll be taking care of you. And I'm walking, it's a couple, it's probably like middle age, 45, 50, guys sitting on the right side, the woman sitting on the left side. And looking back on it, not knowingly, I was only addressing the woman. Hmm. And she was asking me about wine, and I said, do you want the Naomi Pinot Noir? She said, I don't like anything heavy, I like Pinot Noirs generally much lighter, but this one's nice because it has some body to it. And I'm only addressing her because she's asking me questions and I greeted the guy, but I wasn't I wasn't equal at the table looking mm -hmm. back on it. At the time, I was just doing what I was doing. Yeah. And she looked at me and the guy must have thought that we had some connection because <laughs> she goes, sure, I'll have that. And she smiles and she puts the wine list down. I look at the guy and he looks at me and he goes, she'll have a cab. Just Ooh. like that. Yeah. And immediately in that moment, I was like, oh. I can see your whole hand. Mm -hmm. I can see your whole hand of cards. Some infidelity issues, a little insecure, maybe she's talking to somebody else, maybe there's somebody else that I resemble. You're not that worried about me recommending wine for your wife, bro. Like, if you're secure, you're not that worried about the glass of wine that the waiter at the restaurant who's 21 years old when you're 50 is recommending to your girl. Like, it's just not the way it's working. Yeah. You're showing me you. And it was the first time I really read, like, ooh. He was projecting all his stuff. I can see this. So when else can I see that? That's really what it comes down to is nobody who's 
people send me, that's why I play Xbox a lot. Mm-hmm. It's my thing. Like, game, video games are my therapy. When people would send me hate messages, like, you're fucking trash. Like, you're terrible at this game. <laughs> at first, it would bother me. As a kid, it always bothers you. You're like, oh, but you're trash. You yeah. just respond back. Now I literally just message them back, and I go, I hope your life gets better. Smiley face. Because mm-hmm. nobody who's truly happy is, is getting so mad that somebody else is messing up their game. Like, it's just, it's just not happening. Yeah. Well, and it's crazy, too, because it's like I was bullied when I was a kid, too, and I, I remember my parents always telling, like, my dad specifically, super logical guy, not exactly the most um, well-versed in being incredibly emotional. He's just not that way. Like, he's just all logic and science and all of that kind of stuff. And he would always tell me, if I came home and I told him about something that happened between a bully, he would always say, well, just turn around and tell, like, say something like, I'm so sorry that your mom doesn't love you. You know, and it was like, that's also where I'm like, a little bit of my sass and sarcasm might come from too. But it's crazy because I've heard that a lot. You know, it's like as far as strategies of taking down bullies, like cutting their legs out from underneath them is to like respond back with something that is more heartfelt, Mm -hmm. is more of support for them Mm -hmm. because it'll take these bullies and go like, oh God, I don't know what to do with you now. Like it takes away their power. But that's what it is that's actually happening. It's, if you do return that and you can come back to somebody who's attacking you that way with an understanding of that projection mm-hmm. and not just say anything random, but to say like, wow, like, I'm so sorry that you, you must be going through something really hard right now, yeah. you know? And a lot of times it's funny where it's like, you can say that to people and then they'll still react that way. They're yeah. going to, they're going to fight you even more because right. now they're feeling totally vulnerable and exposed because right. you somehow know something about them. Right. But it also can create this beautiful place where it's like, hey, like, hey, man, like, I see you. It's cool. Yeah, like, we're good, exactly. you know? And it's also a chance for you to check your internal belief. Mm-hmm. Why Why do you care what that person said? Maybe it's because you don't believe in yourself. Maybe it's because you don't think that it's going to be successful. Okay, at least we can have that honesty. We can address that. You don't think it's going to be successful. Why? Now we can start having a conversation. Okay, you don't feel like you know enough. Let's start reading. Let's start learning. Let's start talking to some people. Let's get some experience. Why else don't you think it's successful? Maybe because you don't have the resources. You don't feel like you have the resources. Let's really sit down and figure out why you don't have the resources. So that person's judgment can be your gift to be able to do what you need to do internally. There's a reason why you believe the stupid stuff that they're saying. It's your belief of it that hurts. Mm-hmm. It's not what they're saying. Yeah. If you address that belief and you go, wow, I'm actually really insecure. I don't, I don't think that I'm that great at this. We can make a list. We can start to figure out what you need to be good at this. How can we... There are steps that you can take actionably. And believe me, I'm a living representation of you can move towards something that is not who you thought you could be. But it starts with the honesty of, yeah, I am really shy. I'm terrified of making this phone call. Okay, why? I don't know. All right, let's figure it out. And then you can make that list and do that work, and you'll at least move in the right direction, as opposed to, that's scary. I'm running away. I'll try it again tomorrow. Tomorrow it's going to be scary, too. Let's be honest about why it's scary and what we can do. Yeah, if we can fix why it's scary, if we can address those things, then maybe we can make more progress. And then, like, when I say these things, I'm seven years into this process. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Years. It takes time. Yeah. I believe it truly takes a ton of time. Yeah. Well, I'm taking mental notes right now as far as, like, okay, I need to go home. I got to get that journal. We got to start making these practices. I mean, because I think that that's also something where something that's so beautiful about having this conversation you as a man you as a work in progress you going through these things like there's some beautiful humility happening there too where you're able to have these conversations and I know that we can't just wake up and have all of these things and I think that that's something so great to to acknowledge as well of like no 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 no. like this isn't this isn't step one two and three and by step four you're like good as gold and everything will be right with the world like it's not that it's a long process yeah I think people hate that 
Oh, yeah. But to me, it's really freeing. Mm-hmm. Because if you're seven years into it, that day that I completely failed does not matter at all. Seven years, uh, 2,100 days, something like that. That day or 50 days or 100 days that I completely failed have nothing to do with the 2,000 that I still made some progress and tried. Yeah. So we, we have a, mi- a micro failure on a day where we overate or we didn't make that call or we were lazy and all we did was watch Netflix. If you're looking at it in the span of seven years, 10 years, 15 years, which is the game that you're going to play, like becoming this person is the rest of your life. It's not the next three months. Then that day that you failed really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So I fucked up. Okay. I yeah. got tomorrow. Yep. At least I'm, at least I'm aware and at least I'm doing it. That day that you, you failed doesn't matter at all in this game. Yeah. That's and I think that process thing. is such a beautiful thing too, where I think that we, one, we're, we're so focused on this like immediate, like this craving for immediate satisfaction mm-hmm. and, and that goal, like shooting for that goal and like crossing that finish line. But when we talk about this process and we talk about like self-discovery, self-awareness, like bettering ourselves and making progress, it's something that there, there's not one day that you'll wake up and be like, damn, like I did it. Like I got this. Like now everything's good. Mm-hmm. It's that... Like I've found so much joy in in those struggles because you are able to learn something and grow and progress. But it's not like I'm still waiting for those good moments. It's like you have epiphanies along the way and like things slowly but surely start to click into place. And, you know, seven years down the road or 17 years down the road, you'll have so many of those little epiphanies to where you will be far more progressed and far more valuable or far more whatever it is that you're going for than you were before but whether you're on day seven or you're 17 years into it you can still make that progress and find that joy and find that self-fulfillment that we are all craving yeah and i mean you really i mean you hit something that i've been trying to vocalize for a long time is that like when we talk about goals or crossing that line and how urgent it is and Mm -hmm. how much pressure we feel I think that we need to take, we have so many external goals. Like I had this external goal with me this year. So I'm going to make a half million dollars. Wow. I'm going to do it. And I'm capable of doing that. It's amazing. But what it does is it changes the person that I have to be to make that money. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to go make that money, that's my goal. I need to go sell more things. I need to, I need to actually divert away from the work that I do because I know that the work that I'm doing isn't at the point where it's going to make me a ton of money or it may never make me a ton of money, but that's the work that really fulfills me. And first quarter of this year, I, can, I just dropped the goal. Like this is done. I was moving in the right direction to make the company. Wait, that's awesome. Everybody wants money. I think we need to take the, the externalization of goals and the things and all that and move them internal. Mm-hmm. So what is what do you want to do to make that money? What kind of person do you want to become? What is your goal? I see people always ask me, like, what's your, what's your two-year goal? Like, usually I don't do goals, but my two-year goal is to become the person that is not hindered by myself. And that's the real domino, because if I'm the person that's not hindered by myself, I'm, I can make that money. Mm-hmm. I can do the stuff that I want to do because I'm not internally hindered. So becoming the person that does the things that you want to do has the traits of the person that has the BMW or has the girls or has the guy, like whatever your thing is. Become the person that has those traits and figure out why you want to be that person and then that knocks down all the other dominoes. You'll figure out, like, I want to be the person that can make calls without fear. I want to be the person that can speak in front of an audience. Okay, great. Now, that'll get you the external goals. You have to be the internal before you can get the external. But from childhood to adulthood, all we do is tell kids, well, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. I want to have a house, and I want to have this, and I want to have that. Okay, what kind of person would you have to be to have those things? Now let's work in that direction, and then yes. the external stuff will come. It, it's backwards. It is. It's so backwards. <laughs> 
Uh, okay. Yes, I know. I will literally talk to you all day about this stuff, I swear. So, if if you can, (laughs) it might be hard at this point, but I would love to leave people with some kind of takeaway. Like, Mm -hmm. we are talking about so much good stuff and so so many big topics, so many things that are, I think, are really intimidating for people to to tackle. So, if you could... Where would you advise someone to start if they're listening to this and they're just like, yes, I want this. I want that peace. I want that understanding. I want to be that person. Where the hell do I start? Like, what would you say to that person across the table from you? And it, it's all it's all happening. This is so cliche, but it's, it, it's all happening for you. Um, but you have to start doing the things first thing that you can do is that you can sit down with a piece of paper and a pencil or you can talk to your friend or you can Skype somebody in Australia, like wherever you feel comfortable and start having honest conversations with yourself. Whether you have to have those conversations externally with somebody listening, you're talking to yourself. And that is where we get to start to be honest with ourselves. And that's the place where growth can happen, where you have to be able to learn how to take things and accept them. Mm-hmm. The things that have happened to you, the things that you've done, there's zero progress that can be made without us being able to be honest and accept ourselves. Then we can start to look at things. But if you never are honest with yourself and you're never honest with other people, you just isolate yourself from yourself, you isolate yourself from your goals and the people you love, and you do it in this way that you feel connected, but. When we wake up in the morning or when we go to sleep at night, we know that something's off. That thing exists because you believe it and you can start to address it. The part that's painful about it is our judgment of it. If you cheated on your partner, it doesn't make you a bad person because you're not doing it anymore. If if something happened to you, it doesn't make you unworthy of love. It doesn't make you helpless. That thing is just a thing. It is just an event. It's, our, it's, it's the judgments that have been forced into our brain or the judgments that we have made that hold us back from being able to accept those things. It's not the event, and I'm being super redundant for a reason. It's not the event, and it's not the thing. It's the way you think about the thing. It's what it makes you believe about yourself. And I need you to change that belief about yourself because that thing does not define you. We have to be able to be honest. We have to be able to accept it. And then we have to be able to decide what we want to do with it. I was raised around pain and alcoholism. I should be in a place where kids in that circumstance end up also leaning on drugs and also externalizing their problems and also manipulating other people. That's just the thing. But I did with that thing, and I'm lucky to have had this realization to have taken this path. What I did with that thing is make sure that nobody else would have to do that or be in that circumstance because of me. And you also can reframe your thing, but that starts with honesty in the beginning. Okay, yeah, and and that, and I think we're done. Good lord, like that's a mic drop right there. Um, I think that you have given me so much to think about and so much to to reflect on. Um, I think that what this conversation, I'm hoping, this what this conversation will bring to others. If it can, if one person out there can can have a realization that they might be. 
they might be taking a path that isn't fulfilling them or they might be living out a lie that they were told as a child, anything like that. I feel like there is something really, really intensely great that can happen from the ideas that you're doing or that you're talking about and the work that you're doing. I think it's incredible. I am so insanely grateful for what you do and the work that you're doing and for the fact that you are reaching out to our youth and and hopefully being able to give these kids another path, another option, another way of thinking about themselves in reflection to society and maybe being able to to look at it with just more hope. There's, there's one more thing. What we, what we need to do, it has to happen while we have the strength to do it. Because that emotional state will only last for so long. I will rationalize myself into oblivion, but what needs to happen, it needs to happen right now. And I, and I, it, the way that I do it is I think about the step that I could take, and then I think about the step that's ten steps easier, and I take that step, mm-hmm. and then I celebrate myself for being able to take that step, and that is the way that it happens. So like, whatever you need to do, you need to do it right now. Do it easy, and do it now, and then celebrate the fact that you have done something. Yeah, I was like, I literally feel like you're talking to me right now when you say that. I love that. And I think that, again, when we live in this world that is constantly pushing us to to go out there and be this rock star and be it all and be able to check all the boxes and constantly have that pressure, like, I think it is a huge relief to know that the way that we can do this is by making it easier on ourselves. For sure. Is by taking a step back and saying, like, I have a hundred steps to take, but what is step one? For sure. And let me celebrate the fact that I was just Absolutely. able to yeah, do yeah, that. I celebrate everything now. It's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I made it through the day. I used to, like, write down lists of, like, wins that I had. Mm-hmm. Like, being easier from a guy that has to work his face off thought that everything had to be hard. No. I mean, it's easier. You actually work harder. It's hard. We actually respond to positive incentives really well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's why we love those little steps, you know? It's like that big goal is really scary, but, like, if we can make a daily to-do list and we can get through those things, and, I mean, I'm, I'm such a believer in that. All the little things. For Just sure. give yourself the credit that you deserve for being able to do the little things because there's someone else out there that, that can't. Absolutely. And maybe if we can do these little steps and we can make that progress, we can then find ourselves in a place where we can turn around and look back and help someone else to, again, take those smaller steps and be able to get somewhere. I love it. All right. So I I don't even have any words anymore. So yes, thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for everything that you do, everything that the foundation is doing, the work that you're doing for this community. I am so insanely grateful to even be a part of this journey of yours and to be able to support you. So please tell me and tell this community, yes. how can we support you? Like, where can we find you? What can we do to make sure that you can keep doing all of this beautiful work? <laughs> so my person, the best way to reach me personally is probably Instagram. Instagram, um, at Matt Byrne, M-A-T-T-B-U-R-N underscore O-W-O. It's my personal Instagram. Um, the two companies that I represent, the nonprofit to prevent violence against women and trafficking of women and children is called the Your Truth Foundation. That is spelled just like you'd think it would be, and the website is the Your Truth Foundation, the Instagram, the Facebook, everything. If you want to learn or contact, most of the stuff goes to me personally or to my team. Please, I, wouldn't, I would love to hear anything, like feedback, questions, if you're on a journey and you have questions, you want help or whatever. 
Um, and the for-profit is called Geeked Communication. Geeked, like G-E-E-K-E-D. Communications, it is on Facebook, or it is on Instagram. It's not on Facebook yet. It's brand <laughs> Geeked Communications on Instagram. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'd love to chat. All right. Well, and I, I know that there will be many conversations in our very so near future. Part, so Part four, five, and six. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Part one was just too good. We'll keep going with it later. So thank you for everyone for tuning in. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Matt, for sharing with Absolutely. us. I hope that we are able to give everyone something great today. And I think you already did that. I think you did that in like that first five minutes. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Okay, friends. I don't know if you could hear it, but I am speechless. I mean, really, was that not full of so much gold? Matt never fails to share so much wisdom with so much humility, and I have a list of notes from today's talk for my own efforts to be more self-aware and intentional. So I hope that we can all be inspired by his heartfelt words and go out and reflect on this amazing message. As always, thank you so much for tuning in, showing up, and supporting this incredible community of San Diego. If you'd like to learn more about Support SD Local or how we can work together, please check out supportsdlocal.com and come find Support SD Local on Instagram. Until our next episode, thank you for sharing this time with me and I look forward to supporting your heart for community and love for all things local.